0: Welcome to the geek to geek podcast, where we're back from kind of the brink of death for me, but <laughs> I hope not for BJ. <laughs> I hope you don't die. I'm getting there. Yeah, uh, I'm Void. I'm here with my co-host, BJ. I'm not dead yet. This is good. Today we are talking about not being sick, even though that's been a lot of my life lately. Um, We're talking about Pokemon because I was sick and I got Pokemon Sun and I blasted through it in like five days because I was basically just resting in my bed. So we had another topic and then we did spur of the moment change. And we're going to talk about Pokemon because it's like forefront of my mind right now. Uh, Yeah,
1: Which makes sense with you being that sick and just just sitting there playing. It's kind of like how I was during August when I was just binging Mr. Robot. That's all I could think about. Nice. Yeah. So uh, let's jump into like kind of just a really
0: quick history. So what Pokemon games have we played is kind of where I wanted to start. I think I've played a lot more than you. So you can go first.
1: Yeah, you have played a ton more than I have, I think. And I've always considered myself a Pokemon fan. Like I love the series. I love I love the critters. I love love so much about it. But I've only ever played Pokemon Blue when it first came out in the United States and Omega Ruby this year where those are the only two that i've ever bought and played i've played snippets of the others some of the spinoffs but in terms of the main series like actually sitting down like i'm going to play this game just blew an omega ruby okay cool um so for me i've played a bunch of them
0: but like before i say which ones i played i want to talk about the naming conventions because right i heard rob on another geek geek podcast which is the comic box if you're not listening to it Go look for it, because it's Do really it. good. Yeah, it's good um, stuff. He mentioned something about, like, a Pokemon comic book, and then he said the title of it, and he's like, is that really the title? That's crazy. So if, if you've never played a Pokemon game before, when people talk about playing Pokemon Red and Blue, they don't actually mean they're playing two games. It's that each Pokemon game is divided by, like, generation, so the games come in pairs where they have slightly different Pokemon and maybe some slight differences, but it's usually just like there's some unique Pokemon to each game. So Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow are all basically the same game. They're all from like the same generation. But when you talk about it, like if you don't know the exact game you played or if you're just talking in generalities, you would say I played Pokemon Red, Blue, or Red, Blue, Yellow. So I think Rob said something about like, uh a comic coming out for pokemon omega ruby alpha sapphire so those are two separate games but yeah once you start putting things together they sound like really long titles um yeah they kind of sound like kingdom hearts titles but they're really not yeah exactly so for me i played the red blue yellow generation i played uh pokemon red and then when yellow came out with like the pikachu that would follow you around i played Mm -hmm. that one also and then i played gold and silver Because I was still pretty big into Pokemon then, and that was second
1: generation, right? That was the one where they first introduced new Pokemon.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I was still pretty into it at the time, Um, and then I kind of aged out of it for a little bit. Which I know not everybody ages out of Pokemon. There are some people who've played every single generation along the way, but um, I didn't play Ruby Sapphire. I think I tried Diamond and Pearl, but I don't remember ever owning it, and I definitely did not beat it. I might have just like watched a friend play it or something. Um, I. I didn't play black and white either. I just totally skipped that one. So then I came back to the series with X and Y, which wasn't that long ago. That was just a couple years ago. And I played Pokemon Y and I really liked it, but it still felt like it still had um, like Pokemon hasn't changed all that much. It was still Mm -hmm. hanging on to so much of the things from the original game. And it felt like it could use another round of like modern conveniences added on. So when Pokemon, um, the remasters of Ruby and Sapphire came out, which are Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, my daughter really wanted to get into Pokemon. So I picked her up the Alpha Sapphire, and I picked up Omega Ruby, and we played through that one together. But it didn't even feel as modern as X and Y, because it's a remaster, you know? Like, they tried to hack things on, but yeah, it's it's not nearly as good as X and Y is.
1: See, and I thought that it was, even though it was a remaster of the uh, Ruby and Sapphire generation, I thought that it was going to be, it was even more advanced, because I never played X and Y. So, that one of the reasons my friends and I, I got it, Well, my friends at work and I were playing it and we were doing it online in our spare time, that kind of thing. We were playing it together. So we got it because it was the newest generation, like the newest game, even though it was the same generation as X and Y. I didn't realize that X and Y were actually more advanced in terms of the iterations and technologies and just the conveniences that it had in it.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire R remasters and X and Y were built from the ground up for the 3DS. So X and Y is definitely a better game it feels more modern um, but then I just played Pokemon Sun and Moon I picked up Sun because I know my daughter wants Moon for Christmas and she'll probably be getting that so you know parenting you do what you have to do <laughs> yeah um yeah, and I, I really liked it. I'll talk about it a little bit more once we get further into the episode. But yeah, I just blasted through Pokemon Sun. It was like a twenty-six hour playthrough. It was pretty quick. Um okay. for a JRPG, you know. And and I think the last couple of Pokemon games I played were right in there, like twenty to twenty-five hours
1: total. Yeah, depending on how much you spend, you know, catching things and leveling up and trying to get the perfect team before you go through rather than the post-game content.
0: Yeah, yeah. But that's my history. Um so I want to talk a little bit about like the generations of Pokemon, because it's it's interesting to me. Like, Pokemon hasn't changed that much. And I know this is one of the complaints we had when we were talking about Dragon Quest and that we could never get yeah. into it. Like, Dragon Quest doesn't really change a whole lot. It very, very slowly just increments tiny things about the game. But you can play the latest Dragon Quest game and then go back to the first one and it's not all that different. Pokemon is kind of the same way. Like you yep. can go play Pokemon Red on an original Game Boy and then you can come and play Pokemon Sun that just came
1: out last week. And it's basically the same game. But and you're going to know how to play it. Yeah, you're going to be able to pick it up even 20 years later. And that's one thing that happened with me is I knew I was able to dive directly in that. I felt like I was a 16 year old playing Pokemon Blue for the first time. Yeah. And I mean, the modern conveniences on it are
0: really nice, but it's also kind of like I know for some people it's kind of like a comfort food, right? Like, (laughs) they know the game. They love the game. They don't want it to change much. They just want the same thing, just iterated a little bit. So that's what they give you. And I felt like with Pokemon Sun, they finally got to the point where the modern conveniences really started helping things. It looks like they finally did a full like UI pass on it. So a lot of the things that used to take you a bunch of button presses are now on like just it's quicker to get to them or they're more obvious in the menu or you can do things like set favorite items or um and you know i'm not sure exactly which ones are part of this game and which ones came before it because i haven't played every generation right but um, even things just like when you're in a battle there's one button and it automatically just takes you to all of your pokeballs to select so you don't have to like dive into your inventory and hunt for which pokeball you want to throw at a pokemon to catch it um that's really nice yeah yeah and Things like that. I I really like the fact that modern conveniences are getting put into the game. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Pokemon is just kind of interesting like that. It doesn't change a whole lot, but it still has this giant following. And part
1: of it is just it's a really
0: cute game,
1: you know? They are. And there's always something funny in them. I mean, they're very humorous. They don't take themselves very seriously. And so as you're going through the story, there's just ridiculousness and just absurdity that happens. And so it's always fun to go through them. I just like looking on the internet and seeing screenshots that people are taking of their 3DSs right now and seeing completely out of context, weird things that characters say. Yes, that's really funny. I caught some of them when I was playing the game. And if I wasn't
0: sick, I definitely would have taken some screenshots and put them on Twitter. But yeah, yeah it's funny to see people coming up with them. So have you played any of the spinoff Pokemon games?
1: Uh, I loved Pokemon Snap. Like... I never owned Pokemon Snap on the Nintendo 64. Like, I loved it, though, because my family used to do a lot of shopping at Sam's Club. And there was always during this generation when it came out, there was always Pokemon Snap on a display Nintendo 64. And while my parents were shopping and getting, you know, all of this bulk groceries and laundry detergent, just all this stuff that a kid or teenager or whoever, however I was just hated i would stand and play pokemon snap and wait my turn just to be able to take pictures of these and travel down the river and see if i what i could find in the bushes and it was just so much fun and it has that that memory for me of you know just kind of whimsical this is silly and doesn't have a point but oh my goodness it's so much fun to take pictures of these pokemon yeah and if you guys don't know what pokemon snap is it was an
0: n64 game where you were like in a cart or on or whatever, you were basically on rails and you would go from point A to point B in a level and you were just equipped with a camera. And you had to take pictures of Pokemon, and you would get points based on it. So you could spin around 360 degrees. You couldn't actually control the speed of the cart or anything like that. But you could, like, throw things out to lure Pokemon, or you could try to, like, make Pokemon interact with each other by, like, tossing. I think there was, like, food and, like, incense, and I don't remember everything. Yeah, but Stuff like, something that. like just, that. Just things is all I remember. Yeah, but it was really fun. I, w- I was really hoping that they would make a sequel for the Wii U, because they have the Wii. Like, they finally had a controller oh, that, that would be perfect yeah. for it.
1: You know, the gamepad? yeah that would be absolutely perfect for it and i'd heard and i don't know if it was true because i haven't played it that there was going to be kind of a mini game like that in sun and moon was there anything like that yeah but it's so minor that it's it's
0: not even close i mean it's not Uh. anywhere close to pokemon snap there are a couple points that you can like flip into this Pokefinder picture mode and you can use your 3ds to like aim and take a picture of a pokemon but it's not I don't know. It's not a competition. It's not on Rails. There's not a whole lot of interaction. It's just like um, aim and then snap like six pictures and then you're done. Yeah, so it's not not the same. No, not at all. And then Pokemon Go, we talked about that a lot earlier this year. Are you still right. playing it
1: all? Not even a little. I deleted it off my phone uh, after the first few weeks. I hadn't logged in in weeks and then it was just like, okay, I'm I'm bored with this. This isn't, it was cool. It's a great idea, but I just, I haven't been interested even a little oh okay have you um i haven't been
0: playing a lot but my wife and my kids have like they're still really into it and part of it awesome. is, yeah I figured out a way to pair their iPads with my wife's phone like a uh, flip her phone into hotspot mode so oh, that yeah. basically they would have GPS even though they don't have GPS so they all go out together and they get po- like poker stops and gyms and stuff and they have a lot of okay fun. So, yeah
1: that's awesome
0: yeah it's turned into an activity to get the kids out of the house especially if I'm working on stuff which is why I don't do it as much but it's usually like you know if the kids are going stir crazy during the day she can get them out of the house and go do some Pokemon Go
1: which is great that's something I don't have and in my area I don't have people to play with none of my friends around here are doing that kind of thing and I know it's still going on in larger areas and people with groups and families like you that's just not that's not part of my circle right now yeah yeah
0: that's understandable
1: i'm still kind of holding
0: out hope that they're going to come through and add some patches that'll make it more fun for me i mean the main thing that would make it better is if like there were more pokestops around you know i still don't have any without driving somewhere and that's a huge thing so that's why it works for them like if they need to get out of the house you know they hop in the car they go drive over to somewhere with a bunch of pokestops and they can wander around but casually just doing it on a walk or from home or whatever like i don't have any pokestops within range which is really what put a stop to it for me
1: and I understand that I'm within just a few feet of a Pokestop. Like I can go to the end of the road and maybe half a block and get to a Pokestop and a gym, but That kind of lost its appeal whenever it was just so short. I'm like, I'm going to go outside and I'm going to walk these feet. There it is. Okay, here's the gym. I'm going to go back home, wait 15 minutes. And just, I just got bored. Yeah, yeah. It's better
0: if you can do it more organically. Or like if you had a commute that went downtown or to a major metropolitan area where they have a ton of Poke stops, like if you could Mm -hmm. just casually do it on your way to work, that would be different too. Um, I do know some of my friends who live in cities, they still play it all the time because. They have Pokestops everywhere. They walk all the time because they're downtown in the city. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it makes more sense for certain groups of people. But yeah, living in the suburbs where I do, it's it's harder to play it for me.
1: Although I do go work at the library a lot these days and the library is a Pokestop. So I wonder if just keeping my phone on and just spinning the Pokestop over and over again would be fun just to see what was coming around, throw some lures on it and see what I could get. You'd at least get Pokeballs so that you could yeah. play it
0: consistently, which is good. That's true. Let me try that. You should. If you do report back. <laughs> but yeah. Right. Besides that, uh, I was also thinking about the TV show. Like I, I watched the TV show a ton when I was a kid. I was I don't even remember how old I was when it came out, but I was definitely still a kid and Pokemon had just gotten huge. So I watched, you know, Ash and Pikachu like every day, I want to say after
1: school. Oh, Nice. Yeah. Did you ever get into it? Or were you... I never... You might have been a little too old. I never got into it at all. I know... I have friends who did, and they're just crazy about it. I watched a few episodes here and there. I still giggle with Team Rocket and Meowth and just this ridiculous stuff that was going on there. And I can appreciate it, but it was never my thing. That was just something that just passed me by. That it's not even a disdain kind of thing. It's like, oh, that was for children. Oh, no, I'm too mature for that. Just like, no, I'm... I just it's there yeah yeah i kind of thought i liked that, the games i thought you might have missed it by
0: a year or two but yeah. i was surprised that well my kids um we have them set up with netflix and stuff on their own you can like on your account you know you can make individual users uh-huh. so i have my kids set up on kid users so that yeah. they don't get into content that they shouldn't but i was really surprised to find out that pokemon is still going on like it's an active show still and my kids watch it so It's kind of random. They don't always watch it in order, but like I've seen there's, I think there's a Pokemon Sun and Moon that just started coming out, but they were watching, I want to say Pokemon X and Y. So it's like, They might have been making the show the entire
1: time and just going generation to generation, but it's still Ash and it's still Pikachu. Is it really? I didn't know that. I actually thought they had changed characters. I did not know it was still Ash and Pikachu.
0: Yeah, I thought they would have changed too, but I guess, you know, you have a main character that everybody loves. Why not just drag them through every single storyline, even if it does feel shoehorned in? Because, you know, kids will age out of it. Like any one group of kids is probably going to only see like one region, maybe two Mm -hmm. before they age out of it and start watching other stuff. So. So uh, I wonder if that was their thinking behind it, but I was was surprised
1: because that was one thing that I'd actually heard about children's TV recently is that generally the the age group that ages out of children's TV is about three seasons. And so that's why a lot of kids TV shows don't go for very long is that the audience that they're targeting who grew up with it. Are they progress with the series, but then they go to a different one. And the when it's already to the point where the storyline, the characters, and everything have gotten to, you know, three-ish, four-ish seasons, then the new viewers, they don't care about that. They haven't been invested. So there needs to be a new show for the younger generation coming up, which is why so many of them push forward with new kinds of shows like Power Rangers, with new uh, Pokemon shows like that. That's why they constantly restart and you never get like a... A 10 or 15 uh, season series of a children's show.
0: Yeah, I've heard the same thing. It's really interesting. It's definitely a different type of TV than mm-hmm. anything else when you're targeting kids. But yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's it's something along those lines that must have happened with the show, but it's still going on. And that was that was kind of cool to see and kind of surprising at the same time. Um, and then the other thing I would ask you about was the card game did you get into the pokemon trading card game at all
1: oh my goodness i love the card game okay my friends okay in high school i think i was 14 years old when i got into trading card games and collectible card games with magic the gathering like pretty much everybody else uh, who who has been part of you know the geeks the geek community and when the pokemon game came out we were trying pretty much everything and we loved it my entire gaming group all of us just fell in love with pokemon and i want to say it was two expansions that we played really hard hardcore with it and then we kind of moved on to something else it may have been wwe uh, raw deal at that point something but we played really hardcore pokemon for a while and we're collectors looking for different foil versions just all of this but we we loved the pokemon game it was very well put together at least initially the mechanics were simple enough that they were just fun to play and that we could actually, you know, compete with one another instead of just, you know, one person dominating the other all the time. It was it was really nice.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah. So for me, it was like uh, I like I said, I'm a few years younger than you. So I think that it was really big, but I don't remember actually playing a whole lot. I remember collecting them and wanting more card packs and opening (laughs) them up. And I remember like trading cards with my friends and I remember taking them to school and looking at other people's cards and thinking it was really cool. but i probably actually played the game like i don't know less than 10 times it it was much more about getting the cards collecting the cards trading them um because i want to say it was like elementary or middle school for me somewhere around um it wasn't quite the gameplay mechanics for
1: us it was just
0: like oh pokemon cool
1: And I know that I was 16 when that happened, because I remember on my birthday, I went and got my driver's license on my 16th birthday, came back to school in my car and played Pokemon outside the computer science room at the picnic table with my buddies, being so happy that I could finally stay after school instead of riding the bus. Okay, cool yeah so uh
0: it's it was just it was fun to do like a, a Pokemon was just huge everywhere it for was. a few years there, and we were in the age group that got to experience that and it's like Pokemon has never gotten small. it's always been a big right. thing, um but we were kind of in that big boom of it right at the beginning, which was cool to see, but yeah, I mean you know my kids still know enough about it without me ever pushing it on them. they uh-huh. just they know Pokemon, they know Pikachu, you know they know the key ones um. They think it's interesting. They watch the show. They want the new game. Like, this is without me ever trying to push Pokemon on them or even really playing, like, any of the Pokemon games around them. It was just them finding it through whatever kid sources and toys and all the ways that marketers get to kids. Like, it's still working for Pokemon (laughs) I, yeah, I guarantee is. it, yeah.
1: Now, when you were younger, did you ever do the marketing stuff? Well, not the marketing stuff. When you were younger, did you ever do the merchandise and things like that? Because I still have a Pokeball that I got from Burger King with a gold Charizard card in it that I still keep and that I won't get rid of. And I had a friend give me a stuffed Pikachu for Christmas that I still keep that I've, I've kept on my desk and things like that. It's packed away right now, but just these, you know, pokemon collectibles do you have anything like that did you ever get into the stuff aspect of it because i see a lot of people still doing that now and i don't have a lot of it but stuff like that was really cool and has some nostalgia for me
0: yeah i did i remember that burger king pokeball gold card thing i had one for a while um but i don't was it your bulbasaur i don't remember which one it was (laughs) it was whichever one i i got at burger king that one time um i didn't go collect them or anything uh but i i didn't i don't have a lot of merchandise now i think i had yeah. more when i was a kid but my wife and i have gotten pretty good about like purging anything that we don't need um yeah. so i've gotten rid of lots and lots of you and i were just talking about this the other day like i don't have a lot of junk around my house i don't have things that i don't use i have a couple tubs of books that i want to keep forever that are important to me and i have one tub of like old game consoles and games and that's about it yeah for my whole storage and i know that you have collected more you
1: said you have a couple rooms of storage oh i've got a house. couple of rooms of stuff i've got a purge that's full of DVDs, star wars toys just trinkety stuff that i've picked up over the years that where you know it's not a hoarder kind of thing it's just living in different places stuff gets boxed up cleaning out your attic when you move out of your parents house that kind of stuff that i've never been able to get rid of
0: Yeah, we've kind of purged every time we've moved and we've moved we moved apartments together a bunch, and then when we moved into this house, we really did, like, one last, let's get rid of a ton of stuff. So I don't have any, like, merch around anymore. Yeah. Um, the only, like, little tiny toys that I have or anything, I basically say it has to fit on my desk, and I have to be comfortable, like, if I'm working a full-time job, to take it to work and put on my desk. If it doesn't okay. meet those requirements, I don't need the little knickknacks, you know? Like, Makes all these collector's editions and things that have giant posters or that come with, like, a helmet or, like, an actual real-life <laughs> weapon. Yes. Like... None of that is for me. Like I'm never gonna pick those up because it doesn't meet those requirements, right? Like I, I have um, I have a little plush Koopa Troopa that I really like. Uh, yeah. I kept that at work for a while. Um, I have like a couple yo-yos that I used to take when I worked full time because it's something to do with your hands when you're thinking. And yeah. I do yo-yo just kind of like on the side for fun. And I don't know if I ever told you that.
1: No, yeah. you didn't. And my my thought immediately went to, you need to record some stuff so that we can post it online to show everybody your yo-yo skills. <laughs> I haven't done it as much lately because
0: usually um, now if I need a break, I just take a break because I've been working from home as a freelancer for like three years. So I can just get up from my desk and go do something. Whereas when you're in an office and you need a mental break, you have to still like hang out around your desk and look like you're thinking. Right. So, yeah, I did the yo-yo a lot more. When I was doing that.
1: And and one thing that I was thinking about when you said the helmet stuff is like, I'm going to have to get used to doing that. You know, I know this is a tangent, but I have a giant clone trooper helmet that actually goes over your head with a voice changer that one of my students got me. And just looking at the amount of stuff that I brought home whenever I quit my job and cleaned out that office that I'm having to figure out now what to do with all of the knickknacks and trinkets I've gotten over the years from students when they want something, want to give me something. So it's like, I cannot keep this giant clone trooper helmet on my desk or anywhere in my office. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. It feels good.
0: Once you actually like get a lot of that stuff out of your life and then you just don't have to deal with it as much. Yeah. Um, But yeah, again, that's a tangent. I guess the other thing that I want to talk about a little bit was uh, just Sun and Moon. Like, do you have any yeah. questions? I, I know I talked a little bit up at the top.
1: Well, I've seen a little bit about, like, the ride Pokemon and the HMs going away and stuff like that, because that's my biggest pet peeve with the series when I was going through Omega Ruby, is having to keep my my team just built up around the number of abilities I needed to move around the world. And it really got annoying to be able to do that, that I had, like, three Pokemon that I liked using to fight with, and then I had basically... Half of my team was garbage because I hadn't picked up ones that could keep all the HMs on it. And so I couldn't do anything really. I didn't feel like I was able to customize anything because it was all utility. Have they fixed that with the way that they were removing HMs?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot better. Ride Pokemon are really nice because you just like summon them basically from nothing. And they do all the things that HMs used to. So HMs don't even exist anymore. You don't put them on any of your Pokemon. It doesn't junk up your team or make you have a utility Pokemon that's just taking up a slot. So you can actually yeah. build a team of six that you like, and then you just call these ride Pokemon as needed
1: awesome yeah that's been my main thing i haven't and i know i think you said or maybe it's in the notes i can't even remember where i saw it that there's an actual story this time because i couldn't tell you what was going on in omega ruby it's like people are trying to destroy the land they're you know they're trying to bring back these legendary pokemon to like blow things up and like bring the water back and i'm just like i don't care and I don't even know what's going on in Pokemon Sun and Moon, but I think you've said that there's an actual
0: story, right? Yeah, there's more of a story than there ever really has been, and I liked it because of that. I, I This is my favorite Pokemon game, and it's a combination of having... Um, a, a story that I actually paid attention to and cared about a little bit, and I'm not going to say it's great. It's not, I'm not going to say I like really cared yeah. about it, and it affected me on a deep emotional it's not a level. Final
1: Fantasy story?
0: No, not at all. But it is good, and it's really good for a Pokemon game. And um, the, I mean, the basic premise is that you are going around to all these island challenges. So there's no gyms in this one. Um, it's you exploring the series of islands that you live on, which are obviously based off of like Hawaii. Um, right, and. Or, you know, Pacific Islands kind of thing. Uh, And you go around to them all, and each one has a bunch of captains on it. And you have to do their trials. And they're not like gyms. It's not like you just face off against a bunch of people that have the same type of Pokemon until you get up to the leader and then you defeat them and you win. That doesn't exist in this game. And I think it's better for it. Um, The trials are a lot more varied. Some of them you have to like go find certain items and it's kind of like a little bit of a fetch quest in a confined area. Um, Some of them are ones where you have to go take pictures with that Pokefinder thing. So it's almost like a little bit of that like hunting for, you know, Pokemon Snap type of thing. But everybody has slightly different trials i mean there's even one where like <laughs> there's one where you have to like watch these pokemon dancing and then you watch twice and you have to spot the difference between them like that's one of the <laughs> trials it, but the that's thing is there are, there are enough trials it's not like eight gyms like normal it's like 12 trials but there's actually a bunch of other ones that aren't official trials but there are things that you have to do that are kind of off the beaten path um it made for a much more interesting flow to the game that's not so predictable i I liked that a lot that's interesting (laughs) yeah Uh, and then i mean the story is good too the story is about uh there's still a team that kind of does bad stuff and then there's another group that's like conservationists in the area and it, it has to do with those two and like ultra beasts and i don't know other stuff but it made a lot more sense than any of the other pokemon games i've played so i liked it more for that but yeah i mean besides the story there, there are other things. I mentioned some of them, like Pokeballs being a quick select. A lot of like little UI improvements that just make the game easier to play and like less clicks, less button presses yeah. between different things. And then, like when you're after you've seen a Pokemon once or faced it once, it makes it so that next time you face them you can see all of your moves and it tells you if it will be effective not effective at all or super effective so that was right. actually a huge thing for me because i mean like when when i played red and blue I had it all memorized because there weren't that many different types, and Pokemon weren't really multi-type, but now, in the last couple, there are so many different types of Pokemon that are classified, and I don't know which ones are strong against which, which are weak against which, and some of them have, like, not even some of them, a lot of them have two types, you know? So you have, like, a Psychic Water, or, like, a dark steel, or, like, I, you know, I don't know all the type ones that actually go together, but... Keeping that in my head, I just don't anymore. So having this has made a huge difference because you can look through your team if it's a Pokemon you've faced before and see, oh, this person, they have a couple moves that are super effective against that. I'll put out this Pokemon. So I like that a lot.
1: Yeah, that's a big quality of life improvement for me because just like you said, I can't memorize all of those. I don't want to memorize all of those where I just want it to tell me which one to use. And I know that's like not like, I I don't know. I know that's not exactly good gaming etiquette i know that may make me seem like i want my handheld so much but it i don't care about that kind of thing anymore i want to play the game instead of trying to just get the minutia of it for one fight yeah yeah exactly so i i like that a
0: lot about the game and then the other thing was that it's actually harder than the other pokemon games i've played and i like that it's still it's not a hard game right, right. like it wasn't it's still a Pokemon to beat. game. It's still Pokemon. Yeah. And you can always just kind of level up a little bit and then just destroy everything if you need to do it that way. But I felt like it was more of a challenge than any of the other ones I played. And I liked that about it a lot. That so all of those things together um, made Pokemon Sun and Moon because since they're basically the same, but I played Sun. <laughs> yeah. It's my favorite Pokemon game that I've ever played easily. No question.
1: That's awesome. I will eventually game fly this, I think, just to experience it and give it a shot that That's kind of how I'm feeling about a lot of stuff right now. I'm kind of like you is I'm kind of like you in that regard where I want to play them, but I don't think I want to spend the money on them. So I think a Gamefly subscription for a couple of months will let me experience it and then move on. And I think Sun and Moon are one of the are going to be one of the big games I do that for just to play for a couple of days and send back just to see the new stuff. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you were going to do that or if
0: you were going to hold out for there's a rumored version coming for the Nintendo Switch later yeah like if you were interested in just waiting and picking up that one
1: I thought about it whenever you had told me, but honestly, the more that Jennifer and I have talked, and since I am currently, you know, just trying to start freelancing, I don't think I'm going to be able to afford a switch when it comes out. Um, but so I will most likely be game flying the 3ds version since I've already got a 2ds around. Uh, same reason I'm not going to be getting a PS4 uh, playing Final Fantasy 15, and I'll be living vicariously through you with that. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Which no, by the just way. Curious. As we're recording this, does Final Fantasy
0: 15 come out today? It does. It is preloaded on my PS4 and right after we record this, I'm gonna edit this and then I'm gonna play Final Fantasy until I don't know. You die. I'm gonna play a lot of it basically.
1: Yeah, basically you're not sleeping tonight. So well, I'm supposed of- I will
0: sleep. I will be a responsible adult. But yeah, I'm gonna play a oh. lot of Final Fantasy 15. Awesome. Um, the other thing, just one last thing. Do you do any of the post-game content in Pokemon? Because I really don't.
1: Very little. I, that's the kind of thing that when I get bored, that I'm like, I want to play a video game. I wonder what I can do. I'll go hatch an egg. I'll go hunt for Pokemon in certain areas and try to fill out a particular area of my Pokedex. But it's not something that I ever want to finish. I don't I don't have that completionist tendency anymore where I think there's 721 Pokemon. I we'll never get that done. I know I have friends who have finished the Pokédex in every single Pokémon game and you know good for them they love doing that but the kind of post-game content to get you coming back that it's repetitive and that's one thing that just turns me off of of video games in general
0: yeah me too i I can't do the repetitive nature of it and i know there are people who they will beat the game and that's just the start you know they go Uh and they capture things so that they can have like the optimal team they level them up to 100 they look at like the stats that differ every Mm -hmm. time you catch a pokemon and they want the best ones to start with and then they raise it all the way up and then they take those to tournaments yeah they like breed them and they take them to tournaments because there are actual official pokemon tournaments Uh like none of that is me at all but i I find it interesting that people do. And every once in a while, I'll read an article or two about it because I find it fascinating. That's about it for me.
1: Yeah, I'm glad that it's there for people who really like it. That's awesome. And I love subcultures like that. like we've talked about with the speed running that I'm glad that that exists and brings people joy. It's just not what brings me joy yeah yeah and that's
0: fine cool well i'm glad that we finally talked about pokemon i thought it was a good time since sun and moon just came out um yeah besides that it's the holiday season if you guys want to get a holiday present for us go leave us a review or rating on itunes it's kind of dumb you have to actually search as if you've never heard of the podcast before to look us up and then you can leave a review but i see every single one that gets left and i appreciate everyone and you guys who have done one are amazing and if you would do one or if you don't, you're still amazing, just for listening. But still, no. if you want to get us a holiday present, rate a review on iTunes. Um, that besides would be awesome. that, we have Geeky Offer of the Week. You have something new, right?
1: Yeah, I've got the Audible Trial set up, and I know a lot of you guys have heard about this on other podcasts, but I wanted to do this for us because we absolutely love audiobooks, as you've probably heard. So you can go to audibletrial.com slash geek geek geekcast and get a free audiobook. And this week, because we're talking about Pokemon, I really wanted to let you guys know about The Furies of Calderon uh by Jim Butcher. It's the first in the Codex Alera books, which is essentially a fantasy novel, a fantasy series that uses Pokemon as its base idea. I've read part of it, but I think you have actually read the entire series, right?
0: yeah yeah i read the whole series and it's good and it consistently gets better as it goes on too but yeah if you like the idea of like kind of magic based around almost pokemon type they're furies but you know it's kind of pokemon um it's a really cool fantasy setting
1: yeah so it's got like elemental spirits that bond with people and then when they end up fighting they give different abilities and they're based on elements they each have their strengths and weaknesses that follow them around and they'll and little furies that follow them around i think he wrote it to see if he could write a book series based around pokemon kind of like brent weeks did with magic the gathering and the lightbringer series so if that sounds interesting to you guys then head to audibletrialcom geek to geek cast and get the furies of calderon or pretty much any other audiobook that you want uh i love audiobooks so you should too
0: awesome and with that it's probably time for our weekly geekery if you don't know it's where we talk about what we've been geeking out this week it's actually been two weeks since we recorded so we have a lot of stuff um did i tell you i've been playing the arkham horror lcg
1: you sent me a picture of it and said you were going to, but I never heard anything else about it. Okay, it's really fun.
0: Um, It's in the vein of, like, the Lord of the Rings LCG. If you guys don't know, if you okay. haven't listened to our board game episodes, LCG is a living card game, which is different from a collectible card game. In a living card game, every single pack of cards you pick up, you know exactly what's in it. So you don't have to spend a million dollars to get into the game. Um, you can right. always know exactly what you're buying. So this is a brand new one, which is why I jumped on it. And it's uh, in the vein of the Lord of the Rings one, which is co-op. So... It's a co-op against the deck and kind of against the scenario. And um, I I find those really interesting because I like co-op games. The other thing is it can be played solo, which is also why I picked it up because Lord of the Rings, I've played with a bunch of different groups, but I have a lot to dig into solo. And I thought that it might be better to get into this one because I could get in at the beginning and then keep up to date with it. Whereas Lord of the Rings, I have a lot of it, but I'm behind. Like I've never really caught up to where they are with releasing stuff. And LCGs are really great if you can get in at the beginning because then every couple months they'll put out like, it's almost like a booster pack, but it's usually like a chapter pack or a story pack or something. And it costs you uh, like 10 to $14 and it'll have a bunch of new scenarios and new cards and maybe some new characters in it, things like that. Um, But yeah, this one is you against the scenario and it's Lovecraftian horror and it's which I'm amazed that
1: you love this why I I told you that I like all of the settings from horror things I just don't like the genre oh the main reason being that it's Lovecraftian horror because in general it's very slow going and I'm just kind of amazed that that's something that you like you may like the beginning of the secret world then because it's basically all Lovecraftian but it's a game that I determine the
0: pace, you know. Like I don't have to wait for a slow reveal. I don't have to be like, "Why is this character doing a stupid thing?" Because I'm controlling the <laughs> entire game. Like that's true. You know, I, I told you I like the settings in a lot of horror. I just don't like the way that the genre plays it out in stories. And this is a game that I get to interact with, and it's a cool setting, so I like it a lot. Um, of Horror LCG has been fun. And then along those lines. I wanted to bring up because you said you gave me so much like grief about the horror episode. Um, I found a new podcast called lore. That's all about yeah. folklore, like folklore. And it's a lot of stuff that's creepy, but it's all based on real life. And I like it a lot. And I, I don't know if I would consider it straight up horror, But it's it's one of the things that's close to the horror genre and I really like it. So I wanted to flag it for you to be like, look, see, I like it when it's done well, (laughs) because it's folklore. It's it's stories from history. It's people talking about, you know, things being haunted or like weird experiences they've had. Sometimes it's just a look back at like creepy parts of history. But altogether, it's a really good podcast. So if you haven't heard of lore, I would check it out.
1: I haven't, but I'm all about some folklore. That was something I really thought about specializing in when I was in uh, undergrad to go into grad school for specifically American folklore. And I really, really think it's cool. Cool, um, And then I also finished, really quick, I finished
0: The Crown. Um, I think I was okay. almost done last time we talked, and my wife and I finished it, and it was amazing. And we immediately wanted more. And um, Netflix basically said if it did well with season one, they have six more seasons planned out to kind of cover the entire life of the Queen. So oh, So wow. I want more right now, but I have to wait, which is sad. But yeah, um, uh, I'm not going to try to sell it again because I did last time I mentioned it. But The Crown is really good. So if you do Netflix originals at all, and you're looking for new content, go check out The Crown.
1: I've heard so many good things about it, not just from you, that it's it's supposed to be really good. Cool. And then I know one that we both have on
0: ours is uh, Overwatch. We've both been playing Overwatch.
1: Yeah. This new mode, the arcade mode has really revitalized the game for me, where I was getting bored and kind of put off by the community in Overwatch that even when I would turn off the the chat and the voice chat that I was still getting annoyed by the way just being around that many people and getting frustrated and the new arcade mode has completely removed that for me. That I especially the 3v3 elimination mode. I don't know which one's you've been playing the most, but I like being able to go in and play it very quickly that i'm in and out sometimes in under you know five minutes to be able to just go in and do that even though it's a team-based shooter it's a purely deathmatch option and it changes the game enough that i'm really enjoying it right now yeah
0: i've been playing a lot of the 1v1 but the 3v3 is also good Um, i'm so
1: bad at 1v1 like just
0: so bad it's fun, though, because you're right. It, it is fun. They changed fun. it up. They, they made a new map specifically for these modes, which I think really shows, because the existing maps wouldn't work for a deathmatch. Mm-hmm. So they made a much smaller map with a lot more like interesting um, sightlines and just kind of like levels to it and things that really work with these new modes. So they specifically made a map for these new modes, and... Yeah, it's just fun. I've been having fun with the arcade mode. I mean, I never stopped playing Overwatch, but I've been playing more in the last week because, or week or two, because of the arcade mode for sure. Yep.
1: Yeah, it's my break during the day. I'll either take a Daredevil break or an Overwatch break whenever my brain hurts from working. So, um,. I'm really enjoying it. But you're still watching Daredevil, right? Yes, I have now have one episode left in season one, and I'm very excited to see what happens at the end of season one and move into season two. And I'm so happy that he still at this point and spoilers, if you guys just give me just a couple of minutes here, if you haven't watched Daredevil, it's not a big spoiler, but he still doesn't have his suit. I'm so excited because I love the black suit with the mask that I'm glad he's not in the red Daredevil suit that I know he gets. I'm sure he's going to get it this episode, but I am I love the grittiness and realism that comes in. He's just this dude in a mask, and so I'm glad to have at least had the whole first season with that aesthetic that I like so much.
0: Yeah, I want to know what you think once the first season's done,
1: and then I—I I really don't know how they're going to wrap it up. That's what I'm curious about. With one episode left, it's like there's so many things that need to be wrapped up, and in one hour, I'm kind of skeptical that they're going to be able to do anything in an hour. So we'll see.
0: I did warn you that season one is really a good setup for season two. Yeah, yeah. What else have you been up to?
1: Um, I'm still reading the Blood Mirror. I'm. Absolutely adoring it. Uh, Getting back into reading has been wonderful for me. Um, It's the only book that I've read really this year, that's made me want to stop doing other things and just lie on my couch and read. And that is something that I've not been able to do. So I really appreciate it. I'm about two thirds of the way through it right now, maybe three quarters. And I really, really, really like it. It's definitely a setup for the last book, like you said, but I'm, I love what they're doing with the world. And I just want to know more about the, the backstory and see where they're going with it. And now that Rogue One is like two weeks away, I am mega excited. I'm starting to build up that Star Wars hype that I've been holding off on. So once I finish up The Blood Mirror, I'm going to go back and read Catalyst and Ahsoka, finish up Star Wars Rebels Season 2 and 3, and really dig in before uh, Rogue One comes out. Because I tend to get really intense about things that I like. And then I don't want to say I burn out on them, but then I just kind of kind of lose that intensity where it's just kind of a low boil and just see stuff. And with Jennifer and I trying to do like you did with purging a lot of our stuff and trinkets and just be less consumery than we used to be. We, uh, I'm not so interested in the toys this year because that was what was big when I was a kid is that I was collecting all of this Star Wars stuff. And this year I'm looking at the media way more than the stuff. Last year it was stuff. I wanted lightsabers and and Black Series toys and just all of these cool things to sit around my house. And I've got those now from Force Awakens. So now right this second, I'm looking at Catalyst and Ahsoka and Rebels as being what I'm really looking forward to. I want to immerse myself in the world. World again more than the uh just more that I want to immerse myself in the world just way more than the franchise merchandising.
0: Yeah, and that's like for me Star Wars I'm always excited about it, but I've never gotten into the merchandising very much. I mean, like I liked toys when I was a kid and that was about it. Um Yeah. I basically am in it for the world and the story. So I pick up every extended universe and book you know, all the new expanded ones. Um so I've I've read Ahsoka. I'm about halfway through Catalyst right now, which is good. It's like a direct prequel to Rogue One. And I'm just yeah. I'm excited about Rogue One. I'm all caught up on Star Wars Rebels. So all the things you want to catch back up on, I'm kind of up to date with because I yeah. I never really stop with Star Wars, I always try to stay up to date with it because I love the world of Star Wars. It's also why I pick up every Star Wars video game because right. it, it adds on to the world. You know, it tells a story, which is
1: good. OK, then let me ask you a question with that. This is not really a tangent because it goes in with Weekly Geekery, but Battlefield right now is around $15 on Origin. Is it worth picking up? Battlefront? Star Wars Battlefront? Yeah, Battlefront. Sorry. Yeah, a Star Wars Battlefront is $15 on Origin right now. Is it worth picking up?
0: It doesn't add anything to the story, if that's what you're asking. It's well, it's is it
1: fun because I've heard that it gets very repetitive. And is it worth fifteen dollars or at least to you know grab it close to Christmas when it goes maybe on even more sale than that? Um,
0: it is fun, but it also does get repetitive. I mean, it's just a straight up multiplayer game. Like I wish that they had had a single player campaign or something in there. I would have felt like it was yeah. more worth the money for fifteen dollars. Probably, I kind of regret buying it at full price when I did last year. Um, yeah. when the next one comes out because they have announced there's another one coming it'll depend on if it has a single player campaign if there's a single player campaign in there i will probably pick it up day one and if there's not then i might just skip it because i was really let down by the pure multiplayer experience of this one um but yeah i mean you like the star wars universe for 15 dollars. it's really cool to just kind of be part of that universe for a while
1: yeah and that's what I was thinking about. And I really love single player campaigns of Star Wars games that the Force Unleashed is my favorite Star Wars game because it let me feel for the first time, like really feel like I was a star in the Star Wars universe. That when you're in there with Starkiller, you it is wonderful and it's very immersive. And that's kind of what I would love out of something like Battlefront. Well, and the cool thing now is that now that Disney owns it and they got rid of the old extended universe
0: and they said, we're resetting. These are the things that are canon. And there wasn't a whole lot left when they did that. Um, They said everything from now on that comes out that is Star Wars will officially be canon. So Mm -hmm. every video game, every comic book, like everything is truly part of the Star Wars story now. Whereas before they were kind of random offshoots and George Lucas could overwrite them at any time or just ignore them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I always got really annoyed by that. That's what I've been doing this week is pretty much watching Daredevil reading and just getting excited about Star Wars.
0: Okay, so the last thing for me, the only other thing I've really been doing while I've been sick besides playing Pokemon is watch the genius game. Did you look at this at all after I told you how much I was enjoying it?
1: I did not. I need to. Okay, it
0: is it's a game show, but it's kind of a reality TV show. Yeah, but it's from Korea and it's all subtitled because it's not in the U.S. It's not been dubbed or anything. It's amazing. Like, it's it's one of the best game shows and reality TV show combos that I've ever watched. And it's because they take all of these modern board game design ideas and rip off a lot of the good parts and then <laughs> remix them into games for the show. And the game's become... It's like the game design itself is super super intelligent because they design the game so that you have to use enough like logic and intelligence to understand the basics but almost all of the games require social engineering and there are a ton of other players so you'll have to form alliances but you can't just keep one alliance for the whole game because sometimes you get randomly assigned to teams sometimes you get randomly assigned to like a different color in like a bidding game or um I don't even know. There are so many different games and all of them are so well designed. And like every time that I watch it and you see what the main game reveal is for the day, I'm just riveted to the explanation of the game design itself. So if you like game design at all, or if you like modern board games and like any of the cool things the game designers are doing these days i highly suggest you go check out the genius game and i'll put a link to it in the show notes um the whole first season is subtitled and it's on youtube and then the other ones uh season two through four i think they're kind of buried on somebody's Tumblr that links to a Daily Motion that's mislabeled. It's like one of those, you really have to dig down into the internet to find it. Um, So I'll link to the first episode of the first season, because if you have that, you can watch the whole first season on YouTube the way that I did. But I was talking on Twitter. I was like, I love this. I wish there was more. And one of my friends said, no one else has ever told me that they've even heard of this show. Here's a link to all of the other seasons. So I've been watching... Uh, the other ones too. I finished season one and season two and my wife and I are into season three now also. But yeah, um, my wife is into it also. Like it's not just about the game design. It's also about the people. It's about how they interact. It's about how all of it ties together in this kind of amazing package. You just have to be okay with subtitles. But I promise if, if you can just kind of be okay with subtitles, it is worth watching.
1: Oh, yeah, I I don't care about subtitles at all. Like, I'm fine with them when they're there. It just I have to sit down, obviously, to be able to read and can't keep it on in the background. Yeah,
0: it's one that you actually have to pay attention to because it's subtitled. But that's okay because it's a really good show. It doesn't really waste your time at all.
1: That's different when it comes to reality TV these days that a lot of it does feel like it's wasting my time. Yeah, they never
0: will show anything that's just people acting up to just act up. If there are people who are like legitimately upset because they got stabbed in the back, it's because it's a part of the game and it directly ties into that game that day, you know? Things right. like that. Like it, they never show stuff that's superfluous just to make drama out of it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> which is, which is very which is one American thing.
0: when, you know, it our is. style.
1: And I hate that, that Jennifer and I have talked in the past about like Big Brother. I don't know if you've ever watched it, but I used to watch it with my parents when I lived at home. And one of the things that when Jennifer and I got together, she always said about it was that they should change the name from Big Brother to Conspiratorial Whispering. And it was just so funny to me because that's really what it was. It was manufactured drama and then people just conspiratorially whispering to one another in a corner. Like that's yeah. what it
0: became. Yeah, no, I kind of hate reality TV, which is why this is also surprising. Um, Because yeah. like I said, it's, it's a game show, but it also has reality TV elements to it because of the people interactions. But I'm, I mean, the closest that I get to reality TV these days are like MasterChef but not even American MasterChef because that's edited. Yeah, it's
1: Australia, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I watched the Australian version, and I should probably check out some of the other ones because I know there's a Canadian one and there's like a UK one, but it's a totally different thing um, when you're listening to like the other countries because they don't edit it the same way an American TV show would. You know, American TV show is all about drama and being mad at people. And in other countries, a lot of the time it's about getting along and having fun and – it just makes for better TV like their it reality does. TV is so different from American reality TV. So that's probably another reason that this is coming out of Korea and it's good, right? If they made this in America, they could edit it and they could put it together and they could design the games in a way that would make it not fun.
1: Yeah. And that's the reason I don't watch the American uh, Kitchen Nightmares or anything like that anymore, because it's just manufactured drama. And then I go watch the British one. and I was like, oh, he's legitimately trying to help people who are down on their luck. I like this. And I just I don't like the mean spiritedness of American reality TV most of the time. I don't like that spectacle. Yes.
0: So if I've convinced at least one of you to check out the Genius Game, I will consider this week a success because it's a really good show. Yay. Success. Uh, I think that's about it for this week. You can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address, as always, is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have the longer discussion threads on our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast.
1: And if you want to get email updates about our network's podcast, you can sign up at geek2geekcast.net, tell us what shows you want updates about, and we do try to post new threads about each episode in the Reddit in the subreddit.
0: Yeah, I blog almost daily at agreenmushroom.com. And you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter.
1: And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beej, And I host the Geek Fitness Health Hacks podcast that lives at geekfitness.net. Uh,
0: we've been voiding Beach with your Geek, Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks.
1: Bye, geeks.